Hello everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Greater European Talks for this season. To start off the new season, we're going to talk about the Ukrainian crisis and specifically the impact it could have on the Western Balkans. Today, we're joined by Luciana Lula, a researcher focusing on Western Balkans and EU integration. Welcome, Luciana. Hi, Semina. Thank you for the invitation. So, why don't you start off by giving us an overview of the geopolitical scene? What is the current situation in the Western Balkans with regard to Western and Russian influence? Sure. First of all, thank you for this sentence, because uh, Western Balkan is, as you know, a political concept and often is regarded as a whole. But within it, there are uh, some several differences when it comes to national foreign policies. What is an overarching principle for all this country is the EU integration process. Most of them are already on the way into being either candidates, uh, countries or having opened their accession negotiations and others that have expressed their political will to join the EU, but still are digging behind in the process like Kosovo and Bosnia. Nevertheless, there are countries like Serbia, for example, that have always had cultural influence and ties with Russia, and as well as uh, Montenegro, who has actually a lot of tourism investments uh, from Russia, which can influence and impact their political orientation as well as their economic consequences. For these countries, it is a bit problematic, the situation, although economically it is as such overall. So on the other hand, we have Bosnia and Herzegovina, which has its own internal issues uh, recently with uh, internal problematics that they had with Republika Srpska requesting to have their own army earlier this autumn, which makes the situation a bit tense internally. So overall, the countries of the region are oriented toward West, but there is cases, especially after the pandemic, where there has been observed an increase of Chinese and Russian influence. In this case, for example, the vaccination support they gave during the pandemic was used to deliberate this kind of narrative that, you know, we are having the support from other sides rather than Western. And this was observed in some partial public discourses of the Albanian prime minister in uh, Serbia as well and in other countries too, although the EU remained officially one of the biggest donors uh, in this regard as well. So, yeah. The situation is like this, but uh, of course, it's always combined with internal political interest of those uh, influencing foreign policies too. Okay, so the crisis, without a doubt, as you mentioned, unfolded very quickly. So what is at stake in case of further escalation when it comes to the Western Balkan state? Thank you. So when it comes to the implications, there are several layers that we need to consider. So first of all, it's the overall economic layer and the consequences has been starting to unfold in, in the region. For example, it, throughout this week, there has been a decrease of national currencies and an increase of uh, euro in the value. And also uh, this makes uh, national currencies uh, weaker, especially in the case of Albania, Serbia, North Macedonia and Bosnia, because Kosovo and Montenegro, they operate in euro. So that's their official currency as well. 
Besides this, there is official statements from the leaders that the energy crisis will impact the Balkans. For the moment, they have all, most of them, announced that the governments have taken measures to mitigate this energy crisis. But for their future, it seems to be a problem to come. And of course, the gas and oil prices have already increased, and this making prices in the market increase due to transportation costs, etc., but and in Albania, for example, the price has gone up to two euros per liter, so it's quite expensive. And an increase of before it was one point three. So by before, I mean one week before. So you can see the difference. And however, there is a need in this regard for, to my opinion, for local governments to be harsh towards those that abuse with the prices. Secondly, most of the countries in the region they import their wheat either through Russia or Ukraine. However, even in this regard, they have claimed that there are reserves and there will not be a crisis. Most of countries still rely on wheat products when it comes to massive population. Um, the final one is tourism. For example, for countries like Albania, uh, Montenegro as well, who rely on tourism and services. Last year, in these countries, the majority of tourists were recorded as Russian, Belarusian and Ukrainians. And this will affect, of course, the season which should be opened in this in early May, so in a couple of, of months to say. And tourism is one of the main contributors in the GDP, both in Montenegro and Albania. When it comes to the political situation, what is at stake is, is the alignment that, for example, countries like Serbia have culturally to Russia, and it's actually the only country in the region who hasn't imposed sanctions to Russia, but has uh, joined the pro-vote to the United Nations resolution that Russia must withdraw, withdraw their troops to Ukraine. Nevertheless, some uh, last week, some protests were seen in Belgrade, pro-Russian protests, while in other countries, including Serbia as well, there has been also pro-Ukrainian initiatives and solidarity supports. All the countries like Montenegro, Albania and North Macedonia are part of NATO, whereas Kosovo has expressed now its strongest application to become a member of the NATO and this has put Serbia into a difficult position due to the ongoing dialogue that's there and the fear that this might change uh, the situation in disadvantage of Serbia. Nevertheless, I think there is justified caution, I wouldn't say fear, but caution that Bosnian and Kosovan government should consider into increasing security measures due to the internal unresolved issues that remain. By this, I don't want to promote fear or anything. It's just to prevent further escalation because this is a fear that also the European Commission has acknowledged in its latest statement, because there are already political organizations in these areas that are pro-Russian and that have been trying to increase the influence. So it would be necessary to always be cautious on security issues, in especially particularly in these two fragile states. And finally, I hope and I urge 
personally as a citizen of the Western Balkans, but also as a researcher, that the EU integration process should not be stalled at this moment. The refugee crisis, uh, of course, with 1.5 million refugees in only 10 days from Ukraine to the EU, might diverse. And it's, of course, expected that priorities of the EU itself will change by dealing with this humanitarian emergency. But still, the EU should not forget this part of the world and part of integral part of Europe, because, as I said, the political national political situations are not very stable. The democracies in the region due to pandemic have declined, so there have been observed authoritarian tendencies across the region, and always the EU integration and the leverage that the EU has in these governments have always been considered as uh, promoters of democracy and promoters uh, of reforms and so on. So a shift of the agenda of the enlargement would not be advised at at, at this point, despite, of course, uh, having the humanitarian crisis in Ukraine. I believe the EU has capacities to accommodate the needs of small markets such as Western Balkans. And of course, here it's been 30 years that many countries are, 20 to 30 years that many countries are in this process of EU integration. So EU fatigue on on the citizens uh, should not be increased further by having a delayed, again, agenda of EU integration. Lastly, what do you think the EU and NATO should consider as next steps in the Balkans in order to prevent an adverse effect? Uh, thank you. Yes, as I already touched upon it previously, I would just focus on three main pillars and, and summarize that the current Ukrainian crisis is, of course, undoubtedly affecting the region itself economically. That's the first and immediate impact. But let's not forget the political situation and especially the geopolitical situation these countries are in with several other forces rather than the Western one, uh, Western orientations and EU integrations trying to take territories in terms of influence, such as China, Russia, and sometimes in countries like Kosovo, even and Albania, even Turkey. So having all this into consideration, I believe, as I already said, the EU and NATO should reinforce their enlargement agenda in the area and they should uh, stick to their real commitment of uh, integration, especially the EU, despite the crisis that the current humanitarian situation is providing to EU countries like Poland, Romania, etc. So this should not put again the Western Balkans as as a second priority, as a second-hand region, because it might create counter-effects among the, the citizens. And then the increased leverage. It's a momentum to accelerate some of the reforms and to request for real commitment and partnerships, even from the local governments in in the region. And finally, I'm not a security expert, but I have checked the data and the ammunition levels in each of the states differs in the Balkans and Croatia and Serbia lead the least. So I think with its mechanisms and member states and negotiations, the EU and NATO can leverage also this situation with regard to the need that actually there should be a balance across the region due to the situation to not give the wrong messages to the neighbors and to stick to the integration to EU EU and NATO structures as, as the only game in town, meaning that 
also includes increased uh, regional cooperation economically and politically that leads to even reconciliation in the region. The wars that happened after the dissolution of Yugoslavia are too fresh and in some countries the images of Ukraine even revived those feelings amongst populations. So this is nothing to be ignored, but it's a sign that the EU should stick to the enlargement agenda and give reassurance to and commitment which should be reciprocal from the sides of local governments as well. So, yes, all in all, my opinion is that for smaller conflicts that might arise to be avoided, it's necessary that all the countries of the region keep EU as their main priorities. That surely is important. Thank you very much, Luciana, for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. If you would like to join one of your future episodes, please email us at podcast at institutegreatereurope.com. See you in the next episode.